Hey guys, welcome back again to the Cut Light and Smoke Podcast presented by ZealCigars.com, CigarSoapbox.com, and of course coming to you live from sunny Phoenix, Arizona in the Huddle Up Store Studios. I am Bradley, your host, I guess. I guess you're your host, along with my uh, co-hostess with the most is across from me, JB. JB, tell people what's going on. What is going on? JB is smoking a good cigar today. To give the people a shout out. Give us a cigar, man. Tell them a little bit about the, about, about the company. Yeah. I don't remember the you name, remember of, the name it, of the company. Isn't it, it was it family and family loyalty. Yeah, it's family loyalty, dude. Family loyalty cigar or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and I can't remember the name of the cigar that I'm smoking. It's the dark dark blue label Maduro. Uh, it's spelled really weird on the on the the label. It's hard to read, but I think it's the the freaky or the the Fernky. 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 I don't know I forget, what it is. Dude. I can't read the label. I, I'm not exactly sure what it is. It it looks like a very very good cigar. After one round of Jose Cuervo, right, right. We just got doing a video that is going to be produced for Best Cigar Reviews Channel on, uh, basically putting the test to uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's tequila video. So we actually replicated that test, and we'll tell you a little bit more. If you want to know more about it, just go to the video. And uh, by the time this is up, you should see have a video up there. So I'll be posting pretty much at the same time. So go over to Best Cigar Reviews on YouTube. Check out our video. Give it a big like, share, and subscribe. Also with this podcast, tell everybody you know about this podcast because we're not doing it quite as frequently. We're doing probably maybe one or two a week now and uh, bringing you guys some quality content as we see it. But we're going to get into a topic today that is, is kind of interesting because we're both all about the topic and we're in the topic as we talk about the topic. This might be one of the topics that we talk about that we're in, um, which is kind of interesting because we're talking about managing expectations for men at work when it comes to where you are in both society and where you are as far as a man is concerned when you want to be promoted necessarily or when you want to you know chase that dream or whatever it is and, and things like that so well, uh, you were even talking about like taking it a step further and even saying like between a certain age group even yeah I, I would say probably between let's say let's say 20 let's say 20 22 and 35 22 and 35 or 22 and 40 let's okay go all the way up to 40 okay 22 and 40 so uh, a lot of people so I, i'll say this as as a matter of fact a lot of people that we know are anomalies to these rules that we're going to talk about. Like we know people who are, you know, 30 and 40 something who basically got mom and dad's money and did, did, did a business or something like that. So uh, they were able to do things off mom and dad's money or mom and dad, mom and dad in laws, or they got a, they got an inheritance or something like that. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about the average American Joe in this, the average American millennial, the average American, you know, uh, Gen Z or something like that. It's, it's all coming up. Uh, and what's happening in the workforce is really a really interesting com conf confrontation and conversation happening with them and managers or bosses where a lot of young men are coming into the workforce and after a week, maybe after two weeks, maybe after a month, now they want a position of authority and they want a position of um, of stature or something like that. They feel like they, they can do uh, the manager's job or something like that. So that's uh, happening quite often. I'm I'm you know? curious about something. Okay. In the in the in in the. You all right? I held that a little close. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it might have just became my headset. <laughs> um, <laughs> JB just burned one of my headsets. Uh, allegedly. Um. In the situation that we were talking before we we hopped on the mics, mm -hmm. uh, you were talking about a, somebody that we know that that runs a few businesses that just hired somebody, mm -hmm. and um, 
Did he ask the person why he felt that he like like what, like wanted that position? Yeah, like was it ambitious? Like, man, I really like it here. I'm going to be a manager here, or was it like no. he was disgusted by the way that other things were run and that he was going to be a manager? Like, you know, what was his reasoning for for saying I'm going to be a manager here? That early, like a week into his job, did he say? I don't think that that was made clear. I just think okay. what was made clear is the guy th- thought he could be a manager. Okay, that, that's fine. So, I'm just curious what some of these people are thinking, right? right where right. they're getting that idea. So what JB's process. referring to is a, is a conversation a buddy of mine and I had in the lounge recently where um, uh, he, had, he had hired a guy. He had been there for a week. The guy's older, by the way. The guy's like, you know, 40s or something like that. Okay, okay. Uh, and the guy had been there for a week, but he hadn't been in this business or this industry for about 20-something years. Okay, and, and the guy said, I want to be, be the manager here. You know, but after working there for a week, and my buddy's the owner, obviously. So uh, immediately, he's he just lost all respect for him because first off, he's only been there for a week. You know, and it's one thing for a guy to come to you and say, "Man, I'm ambitious. I'm excited. Right, that's I got why these I skills." Asked that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or I come from this background. I've been in this background now for you know X amount of years, and I feel like I can really add something and add some value to the company mm. in a different position. But the guy just said, "Yeah, I want to be the manager." You know, and what's fascinating is that's like wanting all the authority without having to put in any of the work yeah. you know that goes into that authority that you get and with the fa- what, what one of the things that I think young men are, are dealing with is they want higher positions of authority without having to go through the grunt work to get there now not all of them but some of them okay and I, I I'd say generationally it's divided I really because I, I see guys are like man I'm on my grind for that you know for that five ten year plan and I've, I've made it clear to my bosses man I'm, I'm here for this time and I want to be at this level soon. I want to be at that level soon and so on and so forth. And they know that going in versus like coming in a week later and saying, Hey, by the way, if you come, quite frankly, if you would have came in here and on your second week here saying, saying, um, I, I like to run the shop. I like to own the shop and, uh, you should let me do everything. I would just be like, what you got, you're, you're insane. There's, you, you've been here for two weeks now after being here for three years, there's a great amount that you know about. There's a great yeah. amount that you know about and what you can do. And so much so that me as an owner and me as a manager, I don't have to be here. Yeah. You know, there's times I don't have to be here like Saturday. I didn't, I wasn't here at all. I didn't check anything on Saturday because you're here and you're running everything. Now I'd check numbers later on and everything by, by computer. But the fact of the matter is, you know, I, there's amount of trust that, that comes with time and, you know, truth and you know all these things that we talk about time trust and truth are three ingredients for any relationship and i think some guys that are younger in this generation i maybe even some guys that are my age okay in this i'm 49 now so some of the guys that are my age in this generation are going um you know hey man i've been here and i i feel like i can do this job so give it to me um there's there's just an amount of time in the trenches that you need to get a man's respect would you agree oh 100 percent. well yeah. like and that's something that that I'm really lucky that the way that I grew up is I, I already have that built into my system of right. not, I would never do that because I would expect somebody to, you know, you know, come at me back like, dude, why are you coming at us with that, you know, without earning anything, right? Like, you know, even like when I first got here, like I think you may have mentioned something about potentially bringing me on full time. Uh-huh. And then um, I made a joke about it in a couple videos, but outside of that, I never really pushed mm. super hard for that. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely never would have come in and been like, I actually didn't come in and been like, "Yo, I want to work full time." I was like, "Yo, just something part time for now." And and you did that for about a year, didn't you? A little over a little, six months. A little at over least. six months. It was at okay. least six months. Yeah, 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 yeah. More than that, right? Probably. Right, right. 
Um, and we're a unique company because we're a small mom and pop, oh, sure. you know, company. So it's a little different uh, in that regard. So we're not multi billion dollar company, you know, well, with you know all these things. Well, and here's the funny thing, right? In, in a lot of corporate companies, mm -hmm. if you like, like that guy we just did the example of, right? Mm -hmm. If I did that at Apple, for example, um, I worked at Geek Squad for f almost five, a little over four years, almost five years. Mm -hmm. um, before I ever went to Apple and I got Apple certified through Geek Squad. So I was one of the few Geek Squads in Ohio that could actually service Apple products, which okay. 10, 15 years ago was kind of rare. It was more like 10, 13 years ago, 13 mm -hmm. years ago. Um, it's It was really rare for people outside of Apple to be an authorized service provider. Right. There just wasn't many that existed right. at the time. Now there's tons, but mm -hmm. um, so when I applied to get hired at Apple, I got interviewed for a genius role, which was not something and is not something that they hire from outside of the company very often. Right. I had a really hard time fitting in when I first started working at Apple. And even when I transferred stores to the, when I came out here to Scottsdale, cause I'd mm -hmm. only been with the company for like seven months. And then they're like, Hey, we're bringing this transfer in from Ohio. He's been with the company seven months. And they're like, cool. I've been here five years. Why is this guy getting to transfer? Right. Right. Um, but I put in the work, dude. I had two projects mm -hmm. that rolled out company wide. So like mm -hmm. they were they were glad to take me. Right. But it was not easy, man. I had a really hard time fitting in. I had a really hard time um gaining or earning respect from people, especially mm -hmm. because um there were a lot of things that I could fix that Apple wasn't allowing them to fix because they were out of Apple's scope, meaning it wasn't things that Meaning it wasn't an Apple product or like a printer or something like that, mm -hmm. that Apple, a lot of times Apple wouldn't be able to fix because it was outside of the stuff that they were taught. Right. Well, I did that stuff all the time. And at Geek Squad, there really wasn't a scope of work. I fixed whatever the heck people brought into me and I figured out how to do it. Sure. Sure. So there were a lot of things that I could fix that were kind of, they were really hesitant on allowing me to take care of because of like, oh, well, I don't know if we're allowed to work on that because it's not under the Apple umbrella. And uh, plus there was a lot of, there's a lot of people that have worked on the sales floor part-time been with the company four five six years worked their way up to try to be a genius position and then they hire somebody from outside the company right so yeah dude they, if i would have walked in there and then been like hey man i'm gonna be the freaking manager the first six months i was there dude sure you i would have had an even harder time man so i guess part of what i'm what i want to do with this this part of the podcast is give guys ways that they get, list out things that guys can do that are in that age range, let's say, you know, 22 to 40, things that you can do to earn that respect from your boss. Now, that's that's assuming that your boss is looking for a good employee. Right. That's assuming that your boss is watching you. He's not a bad guy. And I, I, the first thing I'll tell you, the first thing I'll tell you about this, if you talk negatively about management, if you act negatively towards management and everything else like that, if you take the typical, like, you know, oh, the boss is always bad or something like that, you will not get promoted, okay, unless somebody over that boss promotes you. Yeah. And most of the case, it wasn't that. So the first thing I would tell young men is to make sure that they have a positive interaction with your authority that's over you. That's, an, a, that's a big thing. Guys that have a positive, I mean, it, it just goes, it's a thing in life, guys. You attract more, more bees with honey than vinegar. You just really do. So with, with honey, when you're nice to people and you're enjoyable and everything else like that and you, you get along with people, more people want to work with you. Uh, I was in the automotive and the corporate world 
uh, before I got into cigars. And I was in the ministry world for about 20 years. I think we've talk, talked about that for a while. But in the, in the, in the corporate world, uh, I, I got along with everybody. I really actually enjoyed my boss. And there are times I didn't enjoy everything that he did, but I really enjoyed who he was. Mike Chereau was his name. Um, and I worked for a, a company called ABM, which was a $5 billion conglomerate at the time. Um, and I was a, I was a, I was a commercial, you know, energy sales rep basically. So I would go meet with CEOs, CFOs and everything else like that. Uh, and when I was done with the company, they wanted to keep me on so bad that they offered me a job in Phoenix. I was just done, you know, being with the company. I didn't want to be in corporate anymore. And they offered to, to transfer me out here. Everything would stay the same. My salary, my bonuses and everything else like that. My commission. And they were like, well, you know, we got here and Arizona is a big place because the AC and everything like that and the heat. And I'm like, nah, that, that's okay. Uh, but I always kept really, really good relationships so much so uh, that my, my buddy who actually got me the job, who was my boss's boss, believe it or not, was like, uh, man, I'm really sorry to lose you. And if there's ever a time you want to come back, just give me a call. And, you know, and I, I stuck my neck out for you. And it was, it was a kind of a hard conversation for him and I to have, but in all honesty, that was a really good thing. If you keep a tight relationship, I don't mean being a kiss up because nobody respects that. If you're just a suck up to somebody, no, no man with any kind of integrity that you actually want to work for a long period really respects that. He really does it. If you, if you were just to suck my butt all day about everything, boy, you, every idea you have is the best and everything like that. We never argue about anything like that. I would just think JB, is, he's just a suck up. I need to replace him. You're replaceable. Suck ups are always replaceable because somebody out there, there's somebody else out there wants to kiss ass better. Yeah. You can always find somebody else to kiss ass better. Uh, so that's the first thing I would say your boss. What do you think about that? No, I agree with that. You said something really interesting uh, that that like just sent my mind down the work down the down the rabbit hole. Um, you said you said something about like more people you work relationships. Yes. you were talking about like you know people you get to talk you know you get to know in somebody you can kind of find out what motivates them a little bit more. You mm -hmm. can yeah um, you can understand what's going on in their life so you can better understand what's going on in their work performance. There's a lot you can get to 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 do with getting to know somebody on a personal level that you can really help get the most out of them when they're at the workplace. If you can figure out how to balance that, the yes. hard part is when you have a lot of employees and you don't have good managers managing those employees underneath, mm -hmm. then that's not getting done as, as good. Um, but a, a thought came to my mind about that. It's so interesting because it's funny how important that is. But when you look back on, like when I think back to when my grandfather was um, either either one of my grandfathers, when I look back at one of my grandfathers who owned an automotive business for 50 years, started mm -hmm. it in some guy's garage, bought the guy's house that owned the garage, uh, it literally like a two-car garage behind the house, mm -hmm. worked out of that garage when the guy went to sell the house, bought the house, worked out of that garage, then bought the a business that was across the alleyway behind his and then worked out of that for 50 years working on cars. Yeah. And then my other grandfather was a, a corporate guy who worked for GM. Uh, mm -hmm. He actually was the head of quality control when he retired. So, um, at first specific plant. And um, when did he retire? Oh, dude, long time ago, bro. Two thousand seven, two thousand five. Uh, I was still in high school, bro. When did you graduate? Two thousand nine. So he graduated. So he. So just so you know, GM vehicles have gone far down in quality since two thousand seven. To, and it's it's a widely known thing in the auto industry. Yeah, he yeah. um there was actually a time uh when I was in high school towards the end of his career he was worried about it affecting his retirement mm -hmm. because he went down to a plant in Mexico and he said this is what he would do. He would do this was his thing. He would go down to there and he would ask a guy on the line, "How do you do your job?" 
and the guy would explain how he did his job. And he said, okay, how do the rest of your team do your job before and after you? Ooh. And if they couldn't answer that question, my grandfather would say, I'll be back in 24 to 48 hours. If you can't answer that question, I'm pulling this contract. Ooh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And he would pull the contract from that manufacturer. Oh yeah. So, um, but what I was getting at was when I hear them talk about the kind of relationships that they had with people, it was weird. It was like they had more relationships outside of work, but there really wasn't a work relationship. Hmm. Meaning they didn't really they didn't really get to know like like they knew that Bob was a drunk but nobody cared, right? They were still selling liquor at, in the parking lot and people were still getting drunk and going back to work, right? Okay. Yeah. Whereas like now, I feel like some of those older generations are having a lot harder time understanding why it matters so much to the younger generation to get to know them and understand where they're coming from instead of just showing up, doing a job, shutting up and going home. And then you go get a beer after and your homies after mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of a little bit of a reverse, right? Where like mm-hmm. when I worked at Apple, I didn't, I didn't really want a relationship with management outside of Apple, right? but they begged you and begged you and begged you to have relationships with them inside of Apple. Right. Mm. But I feel like back in the older times, it was a little bit different. When everybody got to work, they busted ass. They knew each other because of their relationships outside of work. But yeah. now there's like a weird work dynamic relationship that, and I don't think a lot of people are this, it depends on the industry you're in, right? Right, right. I'm friends with a lot of people from Apple, right? Yeah. But not the same way that I'm with them at work. Right, 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 right. That's a, that's a really good, that's something I had to learn when I, when I came into the business world uh, in particular, as a manager, um, when I was running Cigar Warehouse, uh, I had a meeting. I, I took over, and we had about five stores at one point, and uh, I wanted to get everyone together for a pizza party. And and one of the questions was, you know, uh, you know, are we, are we getting paid to be here for our time? I wasn't even thinking about that. I was like, I'm paying for the pizza. What's the matter? Yeah. And they were like, well, I'm taking time away from my family and everything. And that was a really good point that I just never really thought about. You know, I can't remember if I ended up paying them, which I, I probably did because I thought it was the right thing to do. Um, but I remember, you know, it was a two hour meeting and, and I paid for pizza and we had it at Grimaldi's and I just wanted everybody there so they could, they could tell, you know, they could see each other because we were, you know, borrowing cigars from other stores and, yeah. and, and that, that cultivates some relationship when you see somebody in front of you, uh, things like that. And I, I think, I think one of the things I think when you have intergenerational mixtures at a business, what ends up happening is there's misrepresentation of expectations, meaning like I expect this and, you know, I expect you to work the way that I do. Yeah, I expect you to too. do this, you know? And so part of that, I'm, it, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. And I, I think I really, I, when I, especially when I worked in tech, I was yeah. very guilty of that. I, and I, I think what, what good management can do in particular is not do a, do a good job of over explaining expectations as yes. much as possible so that when you're called to account on those expectations, there is no question to what one of the expectations are that you're not fulfilling if, if you're called out by management to do so. Right. Well, and you know, for, for me personally, like what, what I always had problems with is I had access to the same information that everybody else had Mm -hmm. and Google, right? Like everybody has access to Google. Right, right, right. So I always got frustrated that people just never seemed to know or, or, or like remember to, to do these things or, it was just like people just couldn't remember to do these things or they or that they weren't exploring further to educate themselves on their job. It was like, right. what's the minimum that I need to know to do my job? 
and go home and then I'll learn, you know, whatever I have to learn as I go. But I was really frustrated because I would always get upset with like, how do you not under, like we had a guy that was working for us and, um, he's super smart kid. Um, really nice, really nice gentleman. Um, and he was doing an internship with a, uh, like, like JPL, Mm -hmm. like jet propulsion laboratories, like with NASA. Mm -hmm. But then he was like, coming in and he was like man i don't know how to how to do this how to do this and i'm like all you got to do is just look it up in this we had like a uh encyclopedia essentially where we could look things up and it would tell you what to do i'm like dude all you got to do is just go in here and look this up and he was like oh i didn't i didn't understand that you could like go in here and and do this and i'm like yeah dude you can literally just do this and it'll tell you step by step how to troubleshoot that issue you're having you don't have to like you don't have to overthink this and i would just get so frustrated that some of the easiest things that were available to people, it was like they acted like it, those resources weren't there. So, so speaking of the resources, two two stories from this weekend, and it comes back I, to training is where I was going. Well, yeah, yeah, two two things. I, I'll, I'll talk about training. My dad, my dad's a very big do it yourselfer. He's a very big do it yourselfer. I mean, like if if a man can do it, then you can do it. You know, why don't you go hire no yeah. plumber? <laughs> get your ass crack out and get down there. Well, it's it's interesting. So this weekend, our dishwasher disposal stopped. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it broke. And uh, Thursday, you had. Oh no, your your that disposal. Was dishwa- that oh was my a dishwasher. Goodness. Now I you got another one. It's when it rains, it pours, bro. Uh, dishwasher broken. <laughs> we got someone fix it. We're good. Um, uh, long story short, a buddy of mine gave me a, a new dishwasher disposal, and it was great. It was awesome. And but the bottom the bottom seal broke on it, and so I had to have a plumber come out and you know fix that, and that was, was good. Was it they, Joe the plumber? They weren't Joe. They weren't Damn Joe it. the plumber. They were they were they were Vlad. Vlad. And he was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. Do you want me the, to clean your pipes with was, vodka? Yeah, I light it on the fighter. Clean out real dude. fast. Ukrainian guy, great guy actually, great guy. Um, so uh, Vlad came out and fixed that, and then uh, so my dishwasher disposal broke. Actually, I broke it because I was trying to hit it and knock it knock it loose and i ended up breaking the, bo- the bottom of it because it's plastic it was an old one um oh was it like stuck yeah don't yeah. they give you like a wrench they do. Or, uh, you, they so do. you were just trying to I was handle tr- it yeah i was trying to handle like it. you look gorilla right exactly but it was old so we need a new one anyway so i literally looked on youtube learned how to do it my wife and i was like well just go to home depot get another one it's a couple hundred bucks if, if that uh got that uh, put it in ourselves. Literally, we we did it ourselves. Please then, tell me you took that plug out that connects to the the dishwasher. Of course, yes, okay. I did. Of course, yeah. follow the YouTube video completely, and we did a great job. Then, uh, I think I told you about my daughter's car. Mm, I thought mm-hmm. I busted. I thought I blew the head on it because it was blowing white smoke. Nobody told me in Hondas. Okay, she's got an O2 Honda Accord. Uh, in Hondas, essentially, uh, if I were to ask you what color is the oil dipstick, what color? Color of the dipstick the, yeah, itself? Well, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. What when the when the indicator on the dipstick and you pull it out? Oh, oh. it's usually uh, yellow yep. or black. Yellow, yellow, right? Yellow or black? Yeah, yellow or black, right? Uh, and, and and transmission is is usually what? Well, red, if, red. if it yeah, if it's not in the if container it's a, yeah. that's visible, it's right. red. It's red, right? Well, a Honda, it's reversed. The transmission is yellow, and the and the engine. So I'm filling up my daughter's car with oil i overfill it by five quarts and i drive it and it's blowing white smoke out i think i bought i thought i bought blew the head which i didn't once i figured out everything was going on and i went oh i'll just drain all the oil out put oil in there and put some lucas transmission fluid in there and see if it's right because it was shifting wrong and everything else like that because it was going into limp mode all right put the, put the lucas in did an oil change on it yesterday in the driveway at like six o'clock in the morning got a big huge floor jack i always wanted a big floor jack so i finally got one and literally Fix it, and the car drives like new right now. Yeah, absolutely perfect. I wait, took wait, it wait, wait, wait. That got glossed over really quick. What? 
so did you put transmission fluid in the oil no. or oil in the transmission no, fluid? No, no. I, I was checking the transmission fluid, and it kept saying low, and I thought I was checking the oil. Oh. Because it's yellow. That's, yeah, yeah. That. And so when I finally pulled out so the transmission. So you overfilled the oil, oil yeah. because of the, okay, yeah. okay. And the transmission fluid was low. So I just put in that Lucas, boom, I was fine. Absolutely fine. It's got like 250,000 miles on it. So, I mean, that's kind of how it goes. So, you, I, and everything was fine after that, you know. So, it's still got an AC issue that we're going to work on. I'm going to give it to my buddy's shop. He's going to fix it. But in all honesty, like that, that taking the initiative, like you were saying, and the resources available to you to the internet, YouTube, Google, yeah. stuff like that. If, if more men did that and been like, I don't need to depend on somebody, I can actually do that, we would have less of, you know, people out there having to charge money to do it because sometimes. We're just lazy. Now, here's the thing. Well, Could, and it's not even time at work, bro. Do you know how many hours I spent researching prod problems I couldn't solve at work at home? Do you know how many times I broke my own computers trying to fix those problems or taking right. my own computers apart to fix yeah. problems? Yeah. All the freaking time, dude. Yeah. So that would be a, that'd be a great number two is to be resourceful outside company time. Yeah, dude. Obviously, you're not being paid for it, but what's if happening- If you care about what you're doing. Right. right. It, it, obviously, you're not paid for it, but what's happening is- you're stacking up like a great amount of like knowledge that you can bring to the table. One for thing that people can't take away from you in this world. What's that? Your intellectual property. Right. Exactly. So when you create something or you have something and so on and so forth, you know, when, when people ask, ask us like, you know, how did you think about that? I'm like, it's a conversation with JB. That's why we put the video out. That's why we did this, why we did that. So, and, and there's times I, I research and I look at cigar stuff all the time offline, not just while I'm here. And you do too. You're, we're both oh, yeah. looking at different stuff all the time. There's a, and people ask, you know, do, do you research cigar stuff or do you keep up with the industry? Of course we do. I think the industry is kind of weird, but you know, of course we do. But there's a fact of the matter of like, I need to do that just for my, my own sake. So yeah, when they, someone, someone says, did you hear about this new cigar? If I haven't heard about it, but be honest and be like, no, I've no. heard about it. And I'll research and find out about it. And, get and they're in. always usually surprised. Like, damn, you really haven't heard of this? Like, yeah. so there's, I see like, there's like two different spectrums in the cigar world. You've okay. got like the dude from Pravada Cigar Club that like is overly all over social media all the time. Right. Right. Talks about everything right. all the freaking the, i never don't see the dude in front of a camera right and then right. you have like us who are like the hillbillies and we're like i didn't even know they were coming out with that cigar <laughs> right 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 well i i think there's a i think there is a difference in the cigar community that didn't exist about 10 years ago and that's now the, blue the nerdiness collar. well yeah but i think the the blue collar guys have all entered it so like the guys that just like just care about smoking cigars and the flavor um, at, at the price point, let's say between five and Ten. $15 yeah. the most, you know, that's a big, that's a big genre now where it used to be, you know, upper, you know, white collar, upper echelon, you know, your Davidoffs, your Padrones and things like that. And guys want that. And there's no, there's no problem with guys that they're blue or you're on a golf that. course. It's a hundred bucks around. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's different, you know, but, um, and I think in the last 10 years, social media, the cigar industry has really made a big push into social media. And now you have a lot of people responding to that because the internet are full of trolls yeah, and they just love that kind of stuff. So they're like, Oh, you didn't hear about this cigar that, that so-and-so is coming out with. Oh, you must not be in the know. I mean, stuff like that, you know, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not in the know. Of course I could be in the, I don't spend, I don't spend all my time on halfwheel.com yeah. or cigarfishnow.com well, or I don't care.com. I mean, whatever it is. Well, I, 
I think that's something that's unique about what we do here too, is like, we would rather be on the phone with a manufacturer hearing about these blends that they're putting together or talking to them about putting blends together for us. Correct. And smoking through those and trying those that like, you know, I, I could go, I could go a whole year of just working with a couple factories in Nicaragua and the Dominican and never even smoke another cigar with a band on it. 100%. I think that's the direction that we're pushing in the future as far as zeal is concerned is going is bringing in more house brands, better blends, better things that we've ever had before, and really taking on charge. Now they'll, they'll be a little more expensive because tobacco's been up, but I think the the cool thing is if you pay eight dollars for a cigar, people are going to say, and it's a Zeal House brand. You pay eight dollars for it, they're going to be like, that's a heck of a bargain because this cigar with a band on it would easily be fifteen to eighteen dollars. Oh yeah, you know. Dude, so that that's part that's part of what we want to do in the future. Uh, and guys that we're talking to right now, to be quite frank with you, you know, um, well, we've proved that before with right. plenty of, I mean, we've had, we had Davidoff Dave on a blind taste test and he picked our, uh, unfortunately we don't have the cigar anymore, the Carolina, but the Carolina, yeah, the Carolina which yeah. the Showtime I would say is a very close replacement yes. to that as yes. far as the sweetness and creaminess. Very, very similar. Um, but yeah, dude, like it's, I, I would just much rather be exploring all of that than worrying about what. You know, these guys that have... Because whether you like it or not, know. manufacturers are still middlemen. Well, yeah, they're, absolutely. They're not, they're not the farmers. Yeah, they're, they're not, not the farmers. growing it. Yeah, they're not growing some it. Some of them, yeah, but... Exactly. Well, not even some of them. They, they know a like little... AJ they know, like, and those guys, yeah. Yeah, those guys are farmers, and they, right. they, know, they do know stuff like that. So that's why AJ blends for everybody, you know, because he's a blender and the a Hochies, farmer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Jose Blanco Hochi, yeah, exactly. So let, let's go into, you know, the, the next... the next Let's say the third thing that, that you need to do as a young man... Um, if, if you want to have the opportunity to have a serious discussion with your boss about being promoted, about moving up in the, in the, you have to show actual, like, because you're there, you've got to show production. Yeah. Like dude. you have to show like, because you came here now you can produce certain things. And because the company hired you because you're here, the company is better. If dude. you, if you don't do that, I mean, for example, and I'm not trying to kiss your ass cause I don't need to, but the reality is, like, because you're here. This is what here, happens when you give Brad tequila. Yeah, I know. <laughs> because you're here. I'm not even drinking it right now. Um, because you're here, though, we are a better company. And so we've seen that. You've produced. You've done that continually. And now you continue to produce through things like the, the social media stuff that we do and the, the, the videos and everything else like that. The ideas that you bring to the table, the blends that you smoke with me to say, hey, man, this is a really, we have a blend coming out that probably is going to be called Spicy Nut or spicy buckeye or something like that you know um that's trying to replace coco chemist that was, unfortunately wasn't the coco chemist but fortunately was a really good spicy slash nutty well, cigar this might even be a little bit better tobacco to be honest i, I we'll think it see. is 100 percent. yeah i think it is so in in that regard so if you want if you want to have that conversation with your boss you have to produce yeah you have to be a producer now if you are a producer and you have that conversation with your boss too early it can come off as cocky and then mm -hmm. you knock down the issue. So let me ask you a question. When do you think the appropriate time for a producer to have a conversation with a boss yeah. is? So let's say you you came into a company, you've been there six months and you're producing like crazy. Well, I think, I think number one, the first thing is, is you got to have that conversation at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause like, a lot of the world is is number driven, right? Like if you're right. working on an assembly line, how many how many parts did you get out? Right. If uh, I worked in a, a, a quality control where I did part sorting for a while, it was yeah. okay. How many out of your parts were actually bad that you missed, and how mm -hmm. many of yours were actually accurate? Mm -hmm. And how fast did you do it? How much did you get through? 
when I and then when you get to app when I got to Apple, the numbers didn't matter. Mm. Right. So that was really interesting for me. So I would say, number one, you have to have the conversation at the beginning because you have to understand and really, really, really understand what you have to what you have to gear yourself towards. It's like it's like the Ohio school system, right? The, right. To graduate, you have to take the OGT your sophomore year. Mm-hmm. So the teachers teach for a lot of your freshman and sophomore year and eighth grade to the OGT so that you can pass the OGTs. Correct. So I would say if you consistency is probably the key if you were consistently a top performer with your company for six months and your manager hasn't had a a conversation with you yet um i think you could potentially go in and say hey i'm really enjoying this i'm doing better than i thought i would do what do you envision the next steps for me being with this company because here's my vision for what i think i could do with this company i think that is a completely appropriate thing i really do versus like hey man I've been here six months. Dude, I should be running this fucking place, dude. See, things like that. You see all these numbers I'm doing? I'm producing. Who else is bringing you money? I'm bringing you money. And so when I was in the the automotive world, I went in as a service advisor, okay? Essentially, just a guy on the drive. Which is a big deal in the automotive industry because that's where they make the money. Yeah, you do. You make a lot of money. Um, Anywhere between about 70 and 150 is what you make. Well, you Uh, also make that the business money that way. Oh, yeah. 75% of any dealership is all you know, service and care. So, and most customers interact with you more than, more than a salesman. They really yes. do. They interact one time with salesmen. They continue to interact with you. So in, in that service advisor role, I was told that if I can learn this job and if I can, if I can, if I can excel at this job and do well, then I'll never, ever be hungry for work again. Like wherever I go, I can, they're always hiring these people because it's a hard job and it's and it's a detail oriented job. And it's a job where you have to deal with like technicians, customers. You got to keep a lot of people yeah, happy, bro. Exactly. And if you can do that job and you can do it well, um, believe it or not, you can really excel and make a lot, a lot of money. <clears throat> and Paul Anderson was my first boss there, and I'll never forget. And he, he said, "If you can do this, man, you're you're gonna." After nine months at Hyundai, he moved over to uh, Chevrolet, and he was like, "Hey, I want you to come with me. I'm only taking the best guys. I'm taking this guy, this guy, this guy," and they were all producers. And I'm like, done, done, absolutely. You know, and then after that, another guy that I worked with, he actually ended up becoming a, uh, the, the, the manager at another dealership. And he's like, I want to bring you with me because you're one of the best. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And so I went with him. So in that regard, you know, you, good management will recognize production. But I also, I also liked every single guy that I worked with. That was a big thing. Both, I mean, I'll just say Paul and Pete. Those are the two guys I worked with. I liked every single guy I worked with, and I'd work with them again. Yeah. I would absolutely 100% work with both those people again. I, I enjoyed their presence. I enjoyed who they were. I enjoyed even every, everything from, like, you know, figuring out hard stuff on the, on, the, on the drive that's really, really difficult to, like, just jacking around with them after hours. And I did spend time with those guys after hours. They were like, hey, man, so-and-so is having a party. Uh, we're all taking him out for his birthday. He just turned 21 and we're all going out. And I did. And even to this day, I still have relationships with those guys from the auto industry. And if I see them, they still contact me on social media. They still have my phone number. Yeah. I, I, I contact everybody named Henry, uh, that I shared a desk with, you know, I mean, Henry to this day still texts me, you know, Hey man, happy birthday, things like that, which is just great. And so, uh, but I, I think, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. What I am saying is 
when, when, when you're a good person in industry and you're a producer and you want to be with those people, you attract like-minded people yes. and you want to work with like-minded people. That's one of the reasons you're here. I knew that you were a like-minded person and that you're a producer and that you're somebody I could cut up with. And, and we don't just work together. There's even times and that, and here's, I don't think of it this way, but some, some people do think of it this way. And I don't think it's wrong to think of it this way. When we spend time outside this, we go riding with our bikes and with our buddies and stuff like that. I don't think to myself, this is building into my, my work relationship with Justin better, although it is. I'm not thinking I'm doing that for that reason. I just personally yeah. like you. So as a result... We don't need it to build it. Right, exactly. It helps, but... but. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that people forget. It does help. So spending time, sacrificing just a little bit of your personal time to spend time with those people outside of work, you'd be surprised what benefit that actually does for you inside of work, meaning, like, here is a big thing. I think I've said this multiple times. If I, if I didn't work anywhere else, I would go to Discount Tire tomorrow, <laughs> and I would say, uh, what do you need me to do? I'll start mopping floors. I'll, I'll change tires. Do anything you need me to do because it's such a great company, and they promote from within. I think one of the things about Discount Tire that is so unique is that they facilitate those kind of things for their people. Like, hey, by the way, uh, we have a big event we're going to do. We're paying for all the food. We're doing everything else like that. It's going to be at the zoo. It's going to be here. They're doing the aquarium next year. That big thing my wife, my wife runs. Yeah. She just told me they're doing it at the aquarium. So I like, still haven't been out there, dude. Like, so as, as a result, like things like that are huge for, for corporations to do. Like they end up going, oh my gosh, we're, we're and they, and upper management, it, when they're smart and they think about it, they go, this is good for our people because it's building into them and they get a chance to build in and see each other in a social environment where they grab a beer or they hang out with each other and they just really enjoy each other's company. That's really, really important because that builds company morale in a new way where when I just come and expect you, like if I just expect you to work and that's all you're doing and I'm just paying you the minimum wage to be there. I said this conversation with my daughter. I, I, I said it was so hard for her. I, I was, I was telling her they're not paying you enough for what you're doing. And she goes, well, I like it there. And then I went, that's it. She'll take anything less because she likes it there. Yep. You know, anything less. And my son, this is weird. My son doesn't necessarily like his job, but doesn't love his job. Yeah, it's that. not he fun. Like, it's just, right, yeah. Right. He, but they pay him yeah, well. He's working at a plasma center, right, but right. it's not fun. But he, but they pay him well. So he's like, and there's times that he comes home and he's like, I really liked it today. It was a really good day. There's times he comes home and he's like, oh my gosh. And it's the same here. There's times that we love it and we have a great time. There's times we go home and we're like, ugh. Yeah. It, was a, it was a burden. Yeah, there's today. some days where we're like drinking tequila and yeah. smoking cigars <laughs> right, and right, having right. a good time. And then there's days where we like, we don't even film. We don't do anything. Yeah, we just, we're too we got busy. shit to do. Yeah. So I, I think that that's, when you roll with those punches and you recognize that this is this is, this is is where I'm at in life and you, you take the the social media bug out of your brain that makes you think that I have to be a TikToker, I have to be a YouTuber, I got to be Andrew Tate, you know, or something like that. I got to do all these different things. Sometimes uh, when people say like, some people are just made to be a cog in the wheel and to work from nine to five and to enjoy what they do. You know what, guys, there needs to be more people like that too. You know, it's good to have that. It really is. I, uh, it, it's funny. We, we were just kind of, you, you meant, you said something that, uh, I, I just reconnected with, um, I say reconnected, but I, we haven't really been talking for a while. And uh, he was my best man at my wedding. His name's Mike. He's okay. super dope dude. He's real, real big, built like a brick house, kind of uh, like you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we had we hadn't really talked for a while, just because like life's been busy. He sells life insurance, and he's working really hard to try to sell his book to a company. Yeah. So basically, oh, yeah. when he sells his book, he'll retire. Sure, absolutely. So, yeah. um, well, partially he'll have to do something still, but sure, he'll, sure. he'll be he'll be good. 
So Mike's Mike's super cool, and he just moved to Austin, Texas. Mm. And um, I've actually been thinking about going out to Austin for uh, there's a couple there's a Austin's like a comedy capital of the world right yeah. now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, there's a couple comedy shows I've been uh, itching to possibly maybe go and get on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I could probably do. I could probably do a couple. I could probably do a good ten minute bit. Easy. I bet you could. Um, oh yeah, I bet but, you could. So we were reconnecting, and um, uh, we were talking about uh, shit. Where was I going with that? Um, oh, he was asking me about like, dude, you still at Apple? And I was like, nah, dude, I just I'm working at the cigar shop full time, and you know, making YouTube videos and doing the podcast. And he was like, wait, full time? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, how you like it? And I'm like, is that even a question, bro? Do you just, <laughs> l- let me reiterate what I do, but let me actually tell you what I do. Mm. I smoke cigars. I meet awesome people. I make YouTube videos, and I make podcasts for a living. Do you really need to ask me that question again? <laughs> like I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm happier than I've been in a long, long time. It doesn't right. mean that it's not hard or that there's not days where, right? Um, you know, things are really busy and things are hard. Um, that that's gonna happen, but. Overall, I'm doing something I love. I get to help people every single day, whether it's through the podcast, whether it's finding a freaking cigar to smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can really make an impact on people's lives every day. And I, I, I literally told him, I was like, dude, like all these people that are running around saying they're living the dream, like I am living the dream, bro. I, I think that goes well. Part of it too is is the satisfaction you have within your work, right? I mean that that's a big deal too. Is that I the, hate fucking up, the, dude. The, yeah, I mean that's no big deal though. But the but the the reality is, some my, some of my wife just told me because my wife runs a, a, a big part of a, a program over at uh, Discount Tire, and she told me this all the time. She goes, she goes, I feel I feel so stupid when I when I mess up things like that. I'm like, yeah, do you do that all the time? She goes, I do it daily, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. And and she's like, I'm just like, don't you? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course. I mean, everybody does, but we don't announce that. We just announce. See, what social media does is it, is it builds up or or it puffs up. It doesn't build up. Yeah. So the minute somebody says, "Hey, man, I really screwed up at work today. I I did this," and what I found, even with our customer base, when we do when we screw up something, something out of stock or something like that, super, super way more than I ever would think. Understanding, yeah. Just when we take responsibility I hate for making them. those, just because of where I come from in customer service, sure, sure. Almost sure. every phone call I ever made, mm-hmm. I would say probably seventy percent of them were not great phone calls with people, sure. Because you're either asking them for money or you're telling them that you know Apple's delayed on a par or you got to ship their computer out and it's going to take longer. God, Lee, take somebody's computer for seven days. Oh my goodness, right. Right. You can. It's easier to steal somebody's car right. for a freaking month because it's taking a year to get apart from freaking Germany on a BMW. Sure, but take sure. their computer for twenty four hours. They're gonna freaking cut your head off. Bro. Right, right. That's their livelihood. I, I just, I can't. I mean, you guys that do buy from Zeal Cigars, I, I can't, I can't tell you how much we really do appreciate your. Your patience with things, the flexibility, the flexibility. You know, we we screw up, and we're working we're we're working on some things to make a lot of that cleaner. Absolutely, we have been. It's been absolutely trial and error, but um, for the last several months, actually, yeah. (laughs) But but they've been great with it, and and the cool thing is, I I would I would venture to say, it probably pays off for the customer because we tend to throw in extra sticks or do some things like that. So I hear I get that email constantly. Hey, man. Things happen. I understand that, and no big deal. Just get get my cigars to me when you can. And I'm like, hey, don't worry about it, man. I got throw some extra sticks. And we're talking one or two day, two one, one day or two days delay, and it's super easy 
to do that for people in a heartbeat, you know, but that's also good customer service, which brings me to my fourth point on that is that when the boss sees you interact with the customers and the customers have a positive interaction with you, I mean, positive, that is such a win for you making a case for how to get promoted, how to go forward and so on and so forth. When the, when, when the boss sees that or your immediate report sees that and they go, they take notice of that yeah. in, in, in particular. And I think that that's one of the things that on the, in, in the auto industry, I knew very, very well. We had something called a CSI score, which is a customer service yep, index. index. Yep. There's, yep. A, there's two or three companies that run that. Yeah. And we've, we've got, I mean, not a world. It's, it's a huge thing. Bonuses are, are valued on it and everything else I'll, like that. I'll tell you about my experience yeah. with that in a minute. Well, it's, it's fascinating because, um, you know, the, the average score for that is like 89, you know, out of a hundred, you for know, the, for the automotive industry I, industry in general. Yeah, really? exactly. So depending on sales and service and so on and so forth, Tech's but, really low. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the big thing is though, is if you can keep people happy and you can treat them with respect and certain things like that, it's not really hard to do, but it just takes taking responsibility, taking care of the customer and things like that, where some people don't want to do that. Some people don't want to take care of the customer. Some people call it kissing ass. I call it taking care of the customer, to be honest with you, you know, because most of the time, if something's delayed, it's usually our fault or we can't get something. Yeah. And it's not our fault, but we got to take responsibility well, it, for it. Anyways. It's our fault because we didn't take it off before it, somebody got it ordered. And yeah, so here, yeah. here's, here's, here's the huge thing. For you to take responsibility for a failure in front of a customer and your boss to see that will speak... <clears throat> will speak volumes both to the customer about how much you actually care about them and to the boss about how much you care about the business that you're in. Yeah. Meaning like he goes, oh, that's really cool. And so there are times I put people in rental cars because I was like, man, we, we can't just do that. And we couldn't, to be honest with you, it was hitting our, it was hitting our, our bottom line because I mean, we yeah, had- it cost you money to send a car. Yeah. yeah. But there was a, I'll, I'll tell you one of my stories. It was just crazy. Uh, we had a, a lady whose who's ticket actually ended up coming into my, my booth because um, the other guy was left and her car had been gone for forever from Hyundai. It had to be like three months and she was in a rental. Yeah, getting that part and from so, Korea, bro. Well, it was, it, it was before this is way back <laughs> place, we could have got the parts quicker before COVID. And so she was driving. She, her car had this weird thing that every like in, in between 11th and 110th times that she turned left, the car would die. And, and it was, it was really interesting. And so, Hyundai put her in a car and we couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out and finally gave her back the car. said, we, we thought we fixed it. It didn't work. And finally the Hyundai just gave her a brand new car. Okay. And we took the car and it was like a, we we're trying to figure this out with this car. Finally, a, a buddy of mine, who's one of the best technicians actually from Hyundai in the entire world uh, did figure it out. There was a software update. Essentially he, he needed to figure it out. And so I'll never forget thinking to myself like, wow, that's something else. But we did the right thing by the customer. And when the customer came in and frustrated, um, taking responsibility, like, you know, I, I don't know anything about this. Dude, but giving take, a new car back to somebody uh, is a big deal. She got a nice one. So, like, that was a, for her trouble and everything else like that, when you do right by the customer and your boss sees you do right by the customer and the customer knows you're right, it's a win-win for you as you're trying to figure out how to go forward in your company. You know, and, the, and the, I guess the to wrap it all up, the very last thing I think is that's most important is that you, as an employee, have to manage your own expectations and how you voice those expectations. Yeah. That would be because you, because one of the things that you said is that to come in and say right away, like this is where I want to be, yeah. you know, in five years. Now, if you say, depending on how you present that, when you may not know yeah. right away, right? Right, exactly. I mean, I mean, I would never say it to my first day at a company anywhere. Yeah, no, you don't you know. know. You, don't, I, you don't even know if you like it yet. Yeah, exactly. So 
if you if you're in there and you start recognizing I really like this, I can see myself going forward and so on and so forth, and then you put forth those other principles that we talked about and you're communicating and everything else is, is being seen and everything and you're able to be evaluated very, very well. And then all of a sudden you're able to say to the boss, you know, I've been here for this long and, and doing this job. I really would like the opportunity to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. How how can we make a plan to get to X, Y, and Z? And then see that com- that communicates respect. And that's one of the biggest things you have to do with people who are in authority. That that whether it's regardless of their age, every man, and I'm just thinking of men in general, and this because our podcast is usually listened to by men, but men in general, they want respect more than they want anything else. So when you respect them, it's a huge, huge, huge win. All right, guys. So we want to hear from you, from you guys on what you think about what we said. So do us a favor and drop us a comment uh, via email at cutlightsmokepodcast, all one word, cutlightsmokepodcast, all one word, at gmail.com, and let us know what you think. So for the Cut Light and Smoke Podcast, I've been Bradley the whole time, and JB's, I think, been JB the whole time. So... <laughs> <laughs> you just never know. You dude. never know. You never know. So uh, thanks so much for joining us, guys, for the Cutline Smoke Podcast, and we will catch you on the flip side. Peace. Peace.